I have a lot of push and pull influence with local government, but sometimes people, you know, confuse what an MP can and can't do compared to what local council can do, which is fine. Obviously, I assist where, where I can. But I also have to be quite honest about situations where people need to get their own, own legal representation as well, when they need to go through the appeals process themselves or whether they need to go onto an ombuds, ombuds system as well. So there's different ways in which you can be visible. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. I'm Ferina Hefti and I believe that absolutely no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, amazing people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, which leads to gender inequality and the same stale, often male, middle-class people leading our organisations. I want us to change this together. In fact, I hope that many of you listening to this podcast right now will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about supporting parents to get to senior leadership roles through equal career progression. In this episode, I'm interviewing my local MP, Janet Davey, about how she combines a big career with young children, how she balances evening commitments with being a loving parent, and what she has learned about dealing with feelings of guilt. I hope you find her reflections as thought-provoking as I did. So a very warm welcome, Janet, to the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. Let's start with you introducing who you are, what you do for work, and who's in your family. Well, thank you very much for the invitation for me to speak to you today. I do appreciate that. So yes, so my name's Janet Davey and I'm the Member of Parliament for Lewisham East. I've been the Member of Parliament for Lewisham East for just over five years now. Time seems to fly by very quickly. I have two children and I'm married and I have a husband as well. My children are eight and nine years old. So that means obviously when I first became a member of Parliament, they were three and four years old. So very young. Indeed. And can you share with our listeners one thing that you used to believe about combining a big and ambitious career with young children that you've changed your mind on that you don't believe anymore? Well, I'm, I remember when I first became a, a member of Parliament, it was all very quick and quite fast pacing. So I have to be very honest, I didn't have loads of thinking around a do's and do nots or how I'm going to manage this or what I'm going to do. But what I did have at the time was reassurance from my husband that he was 100% behind me and that he would put the extra effort in to make this work. I've always had good friendships with people. I have some really good friends. I have a, an excellent local Labour Party as well that I consider many of those members friends as well. So I knew there was some good, strong support networks in place for me. And I have to be very honest, I did worry as well about how I was going to do this with the children. But actually, because of my husband's confidence and determination, that really helped to encourage me. And I remember speaking to a couple of MPs saying, well, actually, you know, Parliament 
questions don't begin until 11.30 most days, which means that MPs are able to take their children to school, especially if you're a London MP. There's more advantages in that respect if you've got young children and if you're an MP that was outside of London, you know, you had to move home during Parliament sitting. So actually, from Monday to all the way through to the whole week, I call it a privilege now because for MPs it's a privilege, but for other parents, while they may sometimes have to put their children into breakfast clubs, actually it may be a challenge for them as well. But for me, I'm you know delighted that I can take my children to school in the morning and be there for the whole morning routine, which is really great. Although that has its own challenges that mums will know when you have to get your kids ready for school in the morning. But actually, it's the evenings and maybe working at the weekends that have different challenges. So I can't say then that I've had these big ideas as to how things would work at the beginning of my busy career to how it's working now. But what I will be able to talk through is how I've managed and how I continue to manage spending time with the children and being there for the children and making sure that I'm really effective and efficient and on top of my work as an MP as well. For those of us who are not MPs, which will be most listeners, can you paint a picture of what a typical week looks like? I've heard, for example, you stay really late into the night to do the votes, for example. So each week can be very different and can be very varied. So, I mean, my general routine is I'll take my children to school and then I'll go straight into work, basically. So any opportunity I've got to do work, I will take it. Any opportunity I have to do as much as I can, then I I do grasp it with both hands because that means then that I'll be able to spend as much time with the children when they're around as well. So I try and balance it like that. So on a Monday, we could stay late any time. I mean, I suppose on average votes end around half past 10, go on to 11, could even go on much later. So, and then sometimes votes may come in a bit earlier as well. But generally on a Monday, I never see myself getting home until around 11.30 in the evening. But if votes come in a bit earlier, let's say, I don't know, six o'clock, I then have to juggle, is it worth me going home and disrupting the bedtime routine or do I just stay and work late because, you know, my husband's already got that in mind and the kids already know they're not going to see me on a Monday. So that one's a bit of a juggle. I remember in the earlier days when, you know, it was more challenging to get the children to sleep and I'd turn up home at 8 o'clock or half past 7 or 8.30 and it just wakes the kids back up. And I remember my husband saying to me, really great you can come home early but please can you either get home at seven or don't come home (laughs) until half past eight nine o'clock and I got it completely he was telling me I'm disrupting his routine with the children but not just that is then they're going to be really tired they get really excited then they're going to take longer to get them off to sleep and then it's going to be more difficult to get them up in the morning so I suppose that's something where I had to adjust myself to my thinking. What am I going to do? Either if I can get home at a sensible time or I might as well just work late. So that's often a juggle. And so if I know I've already missed bedtime, I will just stay and work late at Parliament. But then I've got the additional thing to think about. Well, how work do I want it? How late do I want to work? 
because I'm traveling back home on public transport. And sometimes I haven't always felt safe really late at night traveling back. So, you know, I just have to bear that in mind. And of course, sometimes I can get an Uber from the station, but you know, getting an Uber from the station all the time adds up as well. I can talk a bit more about, you know, I do have the children quite a few activities as well. So you just have to balance up in terms of, you know, your, your finances and, and costs. So there are a few things to think about there. And then on a Tuesday, generally, we will finish again about quarter to eight by the time those take place. And But then there's lots of other appointments in your diary other than when Parliament sits and when it ends. And then there's also a Wednesday that can go on to quite late as well. I remember um, during a lot of Brexit votes, that was really quite stressful. And I remember, it wasn't actually that long ago, when I had put in front of a German debate, and a German debate takes place at the end of the day, really. It's the last sitting. And I can't remember what all the debates were on, but my German debate didn't begin, and those sounds shocking, but it didn't begin until 2 a.m. in the morning. Can you believe that? So it can go on very late. And on a Thursday, there are sit-ins. I go in depending on what the topics are, what the conversations are, what appointments I have. So I try and use Thursday in a very flexible way, make myself available to go in. It's usually a one-line whip on a Thursday. So I'm in there sometimes, but not every Thursday. But then what I try and do on that day, is catch up on emails, catch up on staff issues, and really I use that as a little bit of a down time to really collect my thoughts and organise for the next week. And then generally on Fridays, you can generally do um, office hours on a Friday. And again, that's a good time to be in the constituency office and do lots of visits in the constituency. Now, you have like local party things to do as well. So sometimes I may have a virtual meeting like I had this week on a Tuesday evening at at half seven. That finished at nine o'clock. So that means I didn't leave Parliament until half past nine on Tuesday. There may be a meeting. I try not to have meetings on a Thursday evening. I try and keep Thursday evening, which is the day that the only, only day really I get to pick the kids up from school is on a a Thursday. So I try and keep that evening for them. And that's the day that I take my daughter swimming. And that's like my activity with her that I take her to. And it's really lovely because I've watched her from the very beginning of being afraid to go in the water and very scared and very nervous and really hating swimming to the point now where she can swim. And it's nice that I've been there through that whole process. And I was also there when she learned how to ride her bike as well. So these these little gem moments, you know, that I sort of cherish, like, yeah, I've been a good parent. Yeah, I've been there (laughs) for that moment in her life, you know. So that's quite nice. But on occasions, I do have to work on a, a Thursday evening. And the kids can get quite low about that because, remember, they haven't seen me often Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening, and they're looking forward to seeing them on Thursday. So I try and do it if I do have to work. I don't like doing virtuals from home because they'll be knocking on the door saying, when are you coming out, mummy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I try and go out if I do have to do that. And also so they can get all back down to sleep. But I try not to. I do push back on that if I don't have to. But I do recognise that sometimes I do. I actually have a virtual surgery on a Thursday by monthly. Or is that a Friday now? Anyway, I think it might be, I can't remember now. It's a Thursday, yes. So I do have to do a surgery on a 
on a Thursday evening. And that's so constituent if they do need me that I'm available for them in the evening as well. And then on a, a Friday, what I do on a Friday is if I do have meetings, I try and get them ready for bed. And then if I can, I put them to bed before I go out for the meeting. It's not always possible. Usually I can just get dinner and then I have to rush out. But sometimes I need that reading time before I go to a meeting. I need that prep time. And there's not always time to do it. So sometimes, again, that steals away from their time. I may have to leave about half past six and then my meeting will be around half seven or eight. So it's a bit of a juggle. But again, I try not to have meetings. It's not always possible. Obviously, closer to an election, there's canvassing that takes place. There's visits to events. My son's part of a a football team, so my husband takes him to football and I have my daughter. I often sometimes take her to grandma's if I've got to work, if I've got to go to appointments or meetings or events. And then we try and go to church every Sunday. I think that's important and that's like our sort of family time. And we have a meal together. But again, coming up to election times, I still need to go out canvassing. But what I try and do is that if I'm doing canvassing, I'll either do it in the morning chunk or in the afternoon. So then are they, the family's very clear, I'm with you here, and then I'm, and they know what canvassing is. I've taken them on canvas so they can see it and get a sense of it. I've brought them to my constituency office so they can see what I am. I've taken them up to Parliament Plus so they can see. So for them, it's lovely because they can visualise and they say to me, where are you today, Mum? Are you in Catford or are you in Westminster or, you know, where are you going to be? So for me, that's quite lovely because they can visualise it and they've got a sense, oh, yeah, we know where Mummy is. Oh, yeah, we know what she's doing, which is great. But what I do do is that when I am working late and I think, you know, this could be a good tip for working mums or mums aspiring to get into jobs that are more demanding is I have FaceTime in the evening. So I see the kids before they go to bed and I have a quick chat to them and a quick conversation. How's your day? I think FaceTime, the app FaceTime. On the phone, on the phone, yeah, on the phone. So they get to see me and often they say, where are you? And then I, I turn the camera around so they can see where I am. And that makes it, for me, they then know that they are on my mind. I haven't forgotten them. And that's important. Sometimes they're too busy doing what they're doing and (laughs) as they're getting older, you know, and it's like, hi, mum, yeah, good to see you. I hope you're well. Take care. (laughs) It's a quick call. And then sometimes it's not. I remember once I had the opportunity to vote finished earlier, but I had a, a lot of work to do, a lot of reading and emails to get through. So I remember on one particular occasion where I was working late and my daughter called me and she was crying down the phone. And I've I've spoken to her already before I was talk or before I'm gonna to talk to you now. And I asked if I could share the story to help, you know, listeners, and she said, No, I couldn't. So I'm not gonna share <laughs> the exact incident that took place I'm just going to give you a gist of the situation and she phoned me and she's really distressed and I said to her what's wrong and as she's talking to me I'm thinking I did have time to get home and before bedtime and I just thought okay I'm just going to go home so as she's talking to me and I'm reassuring her I'm packing my bag I'm walking down the hall I'm on my way to the underground and and then she's talking and then the situation that happened I'm googling it what do parents do in this situation after I put the phone down with her and I reassured her and said I'll be coming home as soon as I can and not to worry and all these things 
And um, I Googled it, what do parents do in this situation? I found out what to do. I went on Amazon. I bought what we needed. I did express delivery <laughs> so it could come the next day. So, and then I booked a cab straight from the station. So I actually got home, I mean, record speed. And I think from the time I put down the phone on her to the time I got home, it was something like 25 minutes. So, and then when I got in, she sort of just fell into my arms crying. I just, it was just more reassurance. She was actually safe and everything was okay. By the time I got home, I could say to her, this is what we're going to do. This is going to come tomorrow. Don't worry about this. Everything's under control. Don't worry about daddy. Daddy won't be annoyed, <laughs> you know, all these types of things. But it took a lot of quick thinking. And I also realized that actually, no, I can take all of this work I've got to do and I can work from home. The important thing was getting back from my little girl and reassuring her and letting her know that mummy's here for her. So sometimes there are those emergencies and you have to be quick thinking about how you're going to do it and you just do it. I don't know if you had formal evening commitments. How do you explain to someone um, who is not, who doesn't, hasn't got experience of that type of situation how do you explain it that you can't be there for a, you know a meeting they are expecting you to be I'll give an example so I was in Portico's house yesterday which is you know Westminster and there was this organization and and that lover MP got my attention and brought me over into a conversation and I said hi to everyone somebody said oh are you going to the lodge Janet and they said oh no Janet you've declined and I said, well, is it on a Thursday? And they said, yes, it is. And I said, well, actually, Thursday is the only day I get to pick my daughter up from school. And they looked at me and they go, yeah, we absolutely get that. It's fine. So I think with everything, you have to balance it up, really. What type of request is this? So this wasn't something that would affect my constituents directly. This isn't something to do with casework in terms of helping somebody. This isn't a campaign that I was working on. This isn't something that I was being asked to do or need to do to do with my shadow minister's brief. This was external. It was outside all the other things I was doing. Not that it wasn't important and not that it's not significant to them, but in terms of my commitments and my responsibilities, actually, this wasn't important enough for me to change commitments that I've already made and I already have. And I think, you know, when you're a parent, when lots of people are parents, or if they're not parents, they're aunties, uncles, you know, they've been a child, they've, you know, they've been around children, what have you. People understand it. They recognise that children need emotional support, physical support. They need your warmth. They need your attention. So when you're actually mentioning your child, people are usually quite sympathetic towards that and quite understanding. And especially when you've got a high-profile job or it's really demanding, people know that the children are often the ones that have to make the sacrifices and sometimes do suffer because of that. But what we want to do and what we want to, what I want to do and what our adults want to do is they want to help you so that that isn't the case and kids don't have to be denied, you know, their, their parent. But there are sacrifices that have to be made. But I think for me, where I have had to work, because I have, again, like I said, I have had to work on a Thursday. I think, I think it was the Thursday before I had to work. Last week, Thursday, I had to work in the evening. And it was the first time my husband was taking my daughter to her swimming lesson. 
And I said to him, and I'd mentioned it to my daughter, and she was quite excited that Daddy was coming to see her swimming. You know, I talked him through the usual routine. And I did. I had to work that evening. But that's because I weighed it up and realized, no, this is something I did need to do. So you have to weigh it up and make the right choices, but also not to be afraid to say, actually, I can't do it. And you don't always have to tell people it's to do with your children. You just say, I have another appointment in my diary and there's a conflict. It's up to us how we often, how we manage our diaries. But like I said, people generally can be quite sympathetic. And if you have got arrangements in place with your children, then people will sometimes try and help and accommodate you with that as well. I know with, with children, they will always happily take more of the time that you have. Just like in my experience, they'll always want more. Exactly. And likewise, you're my local MP and I've seen you, you know, on a weekend running a fair to do with clean air and lusium. And there's so much that people want to do with you. I'm asking you for a podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> you've, you've hosted an event for us in the House of Commons. So there's always people who want things from you. There are always people who want your time. And there's never enough of you. Do you ever feel this sense of guilt or doubting? that Because a lot of our, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I'll try and answer that in three parts. I think, first of all, with events, there are some events where you can take your family along to it, and they are family events. As the kids have gotten older, that's become a bit easier for me. If my husband's there as well, that's really helpful. And then sometimes there's other people there that can help and support me that the kids know and you can bring them along. Sometimes it's not appropriate at all because I need time to speak to people and have meaningful conversations. I don't always want to expose to people who my children are as well. So it's a balancing game a lot of the time. It's an assessment process as well for that. And in terms of people wanting to meet with me and see me. I try and be very organized with my diary. And so if people do want to see me, they can book in to see me at a surgery meeting. And I will have that conversation with them to say, I'm going to take your details, let's book you in and you can meet with me at surgery. And that's a face-to-face appointment. If they can't make it to a surgery meeting, then I will book in a virtual meeting On some situations where the cases are quite complex, in-depth, or it's something I'm working on, I will make a separate appointment. It's very rare these ones are because it's quite time-consuming, but I will do that as well. But what I do, well, my previous jobs were demanding and high-powered jobs even before I had children. I was a child protection social worker and I used to work just all the time and I think I have a workaholic trait anyway to be really honest and sometimes if I haven't got anything to do I don't know what to do with myself (laughs) this is not healthy I don't think (laughs) so I generally need to plan what I'm doing with my time anyway (laughs) so but what I'm trying to say really is that I've transferred some skills from previous work into the work that that I do now. One of the things I learned when I was a local councillor and a cabinet member was that I book out time for myself. So I'd book it as an appointment and it would be like, say, if I needed time to go to the hairdressers or needed time to go and, I don't know, buy a new pair of shoes or something, I'd book it in as an appointment. So then that is protected time. And that's what I do with the children. I book it out so it's protected time. 
So, and I remember the previous mayor for Lewisham, so Steve Bullock, and he said to me, and I was a cabinet at the time, and it stayed with me even now, is always take time just to reflect on what you're doing and how effective you are in exactly what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. So I always try and book in time where I can just have a think about what am I doing, where are my priorities, how effective am I, do we need to change course, do we need to stay on course. The other thing I say which is really, really important for me is that I don't get any space for myself. And the only space where I can just like gather my thoughts, do my work, have the freedom of being in my own company is my office in Westminster. You know, I share offices in my constituency office. I share my home with my family who I love, obviously, but I don't have an office space there. So I do cherish my office space in Westminster because I know this is my space. This is where I can do my thinking. This is where I can organize my time. This is where I can look at my diary. This is where I can prioritize or reprioritize. But I am quite specific as well with my staff. I generally am one of these people that want to help. So often when people email in, or organisations who might email me in, I think, oh, this is something I could do. Oh, this is something I could help. And I say to my staff, you must push back on me and say, is this what we're working on uh, now? Or is this a new area? Or to say, Janie, actually, I don't think you need to meet with this organisation. Or, you know, you already met with them last year or something like this. So I say to my staff, you have the authority to do this. And actually, I need this. It's like an extra gatekeeping. So actually, so for example, I want to visit all the schools in my constituency. I've nearly visited all the schools in my constituency. But if another school comes back to me to say, we'd like you to do another visit, I say to my staff, find out what this visit is. You know, give me a sense of it. But actually, do you think it's right that I go and visit one school twice when I haven't visited another school at all so I say to them you think it through yourself as well make sure I've visited all of the schools first and then yes we'll look at if I need to go and visit again but actually do I now need to be looking at a different organization very thoughtful process there is some gatekeeping that takes place but you can't be afraid to say no or to say, I will look at this again at another time. You know, you have to push back. And, you know, I would think that my constituents would want me to be as effective as possible. And it's not about um, quantity, it's about quality. But also, I also think it's important to be seen to be active and to be seen to be working as well, because that gives people the reassurance and confidence, you know, that, that they need to have. Absolutely. And one thing a lot of our listeners ask about is visibility, how to make sure that you are visible. And clearly, um, I see you a lot just by you know, living in Lewisham, so you're very visible. Uh, <laughs> Thank but you. You're, you're Thank also you. obviously doing your Westminster duties. You're, by some of it, you're being as you can with your kids. What do you do when you go to an event or are present somewhere to be as visible as possible? So media is very important. It can be quite tricky as well. And you do have to put as much safeguards in place as you can. I remember one person once saying that a picture speaks a thousand words. 
that's resonated with me, that stayed with me. And also, I remember in my own training, people don't just listen to the content of what you say, they focus on your body language and how you speak. And that's often what people receive more than actually what you say. So I've used these learning in how I present myself and how I get my messages across and how I help to communicate with people that want to find out what I'm doing. <laughs> Social media is important. Sometimes Twitter, I think, just you're, you're communicating with a small crowd. Facebook's also very important. Having a website's also important. But it's important to keep it up to date and to keep it relevant. And I try as well to make sure that I'm hitting on the many various issues that people raise with me so that people really recognize and understand that I'm there for all of my constituents as much as I'm able to do. So yeah, media is very important. And making sure that you do visit various organizations, see what the issues are. I have a lot of push and pull influence with local government, but sometimes people you know, confuse what an MP can and can't do compared to what local council can do, which is fine. Obviously, I assist where, where I can. But I also have to be quite honest about situations where people need to get their own, own legal representation as well, when they need to go through the appeals process themselves or whether they need to go on to an ombuds, ombuds system as well. So there's different ways in which you can be visible. I think Going to the larger events is an easy way to be nice and visible if you're going to like a community festival or fate or to, you know, church events and, and so on. They're really good places to, to be nice and visible. And people do want to see you as the MP and they want to know who you are. That was important for me when before I was an MP and I know that's important for others as well. And for the people listening who are thinking, hmm, that sounds really interesting, but I always thought that I, let's say it's a woman listening with young children, that I shouldn't become an MP because the hours are just too long and also there's so much abuse that you get anyways as a woman in politics. What would you say to them? Do you think it's worse? them looking at that? There's a lot of female MPs that have had children while they're MPs as well. And there's a lot of female MPs that have got young children and middle-aged children and older children. And there's a lot of MPs that were ready to give advice and support as to what their children went through because there's a whole another layer of children at school where their parents are MPs, where they're asked questions. And some MPs' children have been bullied at school as well. So there's a whole other layer of things to think about and to consider. Some of my challenges are not being able to get to know other parents as much as I would like to and to socialise with them. I find that quite challenging. I feel like I miss out on that a bit. So it's that building relationships. I think as, as well that, you know, I'm one of these people where I don't like to think there are there are obstacles that are stopping you from achieving what you want to achieve. You just need to recognise that if you are wanting to go into a demanding job or to become a, a more demanding job or to become an MP or varying challenges or having to work weekends or during the evening, is just to make sure that you've got the some support in place for yourself, to recognise that you make time for yourself as well. 
and to be very organized. I still sat, well, I don't know if it's sadly or not, but I have to organize my husband, you know, as to what meals that he's cooking in the evening, you know. So even though he's doing the evening meals, I have to say, oh, look, I've left out the meatballs, have meatballs and spaghetti, or, you know, what are you cooking tonight? It's such and such. So we have, we try and have the conversation on a Sunday so that he's prepared for the week. But their husbands have different strengths. <laughs> so you just have to work out if you, you know, you have got a partner where or work to their strengths and where do they need support as well, as well as what support do you need from them and let them know what you need from them as well. So sometimes if I have to go and do any media, that for me is often the most inconvenient. But my husband always says, if you've got media to do, just tell me and I will organize the children but obviously then I think to myself where can I claw back some time so I can spend more time with the kids so again it is a juggling game but you can't allow yourself to get frustrated about it it's almost like I try and give myself broad shoulders so that even if the kids are you know complaining sometimes I say to them you know I know you're complaining but you know you like all the nice things in the home and all of this. I said, mummy has to work so that we can carry on having all these nice things. So sometimes it's just really realistic with them about the situation. And then sometimes they say, no, we don't want these nice things. We want you. <laughs> and that sort of takes the wind out of my sails. They always <laughs> so- know what to say. Kids always know what to say to get at you, <laughs> Yeah, so then I have to change course of what I'm saying. But I tell you what I've done, if I could just give a few tips. And if I've had like maybe four evenings a week, right, I haven't been around, I will leave them a little note, a little card with a little message in, and I will leave that for them, put it in their bag, or I leave it on their bed, or I leave it on their pillow, or I'll leave a picture of me and them, or I'll write them a little letter, or I'll draw them a little picture. So it's almost like I leave them these little, not all the time, because you can't do it all the time because it will lose its significance. (laughs) But every now and again, I will do that. So then they know that, okay, mummy, you're there. You know, we know. And then they will do the same. They draw me a picture and they leave it on my bedside table or something and little nice messages. So it's just things to help, you know. It's about having that, the, the quality moments with them. But recognising it is hard work and you do have parent guilt, but you just need to be very organised. That is so, so sweet and thoughtful. Your, your kids are very lucky to have you. A lot of the listeners will be able to relate to your point about at the school gate. It's not easy to build relationships with the other parents, to know informally what's going on and so on. That is one of the limitations of having a big job. So what helps you to accept that you can't be there for everything and can't be the mum that does everything? What helps you to feel at peace with that? I actually find that quite hard, if I'm really honest. I find it hard to be on top of everything that's going on at school. And I have found that quite challenging. I I must be really honest about that. So what I do to try and keep on top of that is I pick my children actually to make my life more difficult for myself they go to different primary schools so I try and pick one up at one primary school one day a Thursday and the other one on a Friday it doesn't always work out but I try and do that so then I have that connection with the teacher 
the WhatsApp groups are brilliant with the parents. That's a really good way of having the communication. Trying to go to sports day really helps with the communication with parents as well because you get to see them. Or if they're in like a school play, sometimes my husband will do one and I will do the other. He works locally, which really helps, and he works part-time, so he's more available. It's really great. So we do do a lot of juggling. Sometimes we have missed things, you know, and and sometimes the school doesn't send things to both email addresses. So, you know, there are things like that that can be a little bit of an irritation at times. But I think we've got there now and it's organised and we have good relationships with both schools and we have good communication, which is great. The kids have good friendships, which is helpful. I try and do, you know, all the things like opticians, dentists. I do that during the recess periods, during the holiday periods, you know, cutting their fingernails, you know, putting eardrops in their ears, you know, all of those things. Obviously, kids will always catch you out where you may need to take them to the doctors or you may need to do this or buy this. Buying online is fantastic. I rely on that a lot. Doing my shopping online, I rely on that a lot. But, but yeah, the relationships with families can be more demanding. But my local park is great, actually, because a lot of the local families that go to the local school use the same park. So that's really helpful. That's really good for relationship building as well. But often when I'm out and then constituents want to talk to me and I'm with the children I find that a little bit difficult because actually I can't really be talking about in depth about your situation because the kids are here so I just need to be really tactful and I am often and I just say look I'm happy to hear you know phone me or email me but then I find it easier let me just take their details and then I can get my staff to give them a call and organise more appropriate time to have a conversation. So that sometimes can be a little bit tricky. I've also had people where they then start trying to talk to my children. And I, I don't actually like that because you're confusing the kids as to then to make them think that we have a friendship rather than actually it's a more of a professional working relationship. So I found that a bit tricky. So I've had to talk to the kids about just being polite but then and then I have to work out do I need to say anything I know I don't always need to say anything to the kids you just let it go it's fine there's things to think about you know how to manage it and keep them safe and also to be respectful to others and sometimes people mean absolutely no harm whatsoever they're just being friendly they're just being chatty they don't realize whether it's appropriate or not appropriate you know, there's all sorts of cultural things that come into it as well for people. So, you know, I don't take offence or anything like that, but my antennas are up, you know. <laughs> I come from a children and families social work background, so that's probably why I'm always a lot more cautious than I probably need to be. You remember a lot of the stories as well that obviously you hear in that line of work. Mm. It's so refreshing to hear that actually even you are battling with that, those tensions and there isn't oh, yes. straightforward. So we're coming towards the end of our recording. And I want, with every podcast episode, we usually leave people practical things that they can do to progress their career alongside young children. So I was just thinking, if nothing comes to mind, that's fine, because I have grilled you for a long time now. But if you could share one or two practical things that have really made a difference to your life that you think someone might try experimenting with this week? So if I can add 
I would say that I make a note of things on my phone all the time so that I don't lose information, lose what people are saying, lose what I need to do. I use my notes incredibly well. I speak into notes so to save time. If I'm sending WhatsApp messages to staff or to anybody, if there's nobody around me, I will speak those messages in and then I will correct it again to cut time to be as efficient as possible. I will send emails to myself so that I know what to do. And again, so I don't lose information. If I don't email it to myself, I email it to my staff or colleagues straight away. So what I'm trying to say is I try and think of how can I be smart with my working so actually I don't drop the balls and that things get done. What I also do is I recognize that when somebody is annoyed or stressed or angry then it's because of how they're feeling and I don't take that personal even if they may be expressing some annoyance that maybe they wanted something else from me or for me to do something else I just think actually this is their situation where they need help or they don't know what to do or they're desperate so again I don't take that personal I just deal with what they're saying rather than the emotion that's coming with it. Not that I ignore it, I'm conscious of it, but I don't react to it, if that's helpful to you. I look through my diary a week in advance, so I know what's happening, so I can prepare for it, and I can prepare the family for it. And I double-check with myself. Somebody gave me some excellent advice, actually, uh, not so long ago. And they said, when you're thinking of putting an appointment with an organisation or whatever it may be in your diary, imagine if you were doing that tomorrow and that's really good because it makes you think if I'm doing it tomorrow do I really need to do it do I need to spend an hour with them or 20 minutes with them does it need to be face to face or could it be done virtually where does it need to be done am I the right person or could somebody else do this so for me that was really quite helpful I suppose that would be my main tips and with the family And the children, I don't always let the children know what's happening too far in advance because I don't want to worry or get anxious or start asking me loads of questions about it. So I may just tell them the day before. But what I do do is I organise their things the day before so then I'm not running around last minute trying to get things. And what I've noticed with my son, which I'm really proud of him, is that he started, if he's organising his clothes and things, I've noticed that he organises them the day before now and puts them on the end of his bed. And I thought, oh, wow, and I never told him to do any of that. And he's just picking it up, and it's lovely. And I've noticed with my little girl, what she will do is lay her things out that she's uh, going to put on. Uh, I love (laughs) That is really amazing. I'm a little bit jealous now. I shall randomly drop it into my children's you know, a conversation with my children. All the children are doing this. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably not the way how a proper parent would encourage it. That's amazing. That's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't tell them. I just always say, oh, your things are at the end of the bed in the morning. Here it is, here it is, here it is. And they all know. We've been doing it for years. So I mean, there's other things your kids probably do that I'd be jealous of. <laughs> so, but yeah, so no, it's quite helpful. So those are my tips, if that's helpful to your listeners. That is wonderful. Thank you so much, Janet. And um, if people want to find out about your work and what you do, where is the best place to look? Please go onto the website. If you just type in my name, Janet.daby, D-A-B-Y. 
www.mp.mp. It should come up. The website should come up. Twitter will come up, probably the Facebook page. I need to update my LinkedIn, actually. I'm not so great on LinkedIn. And uh, my Instagram's frozen at the moment, so I need to unfreeze that. But other than that, those areas, you should be able to find me and find some information about me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Janet. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much again. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And thank you especially to everyone who's connected recently with me on LinkedIn. It's been so surprising how many of you have reached out and I really, really love getting your messages and I always accept your connection requests. And I love all your suggestions on where to take the show next. It's obviously a really hard work thing. It might not sound like it, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes to put out the podcast. And hearing that makes a difference to real life people is just really, really lovely. So thank you for that. If you've liked the podcast and if you like those themes we talk about and you actually want to connect with some real-life people around them, then you should definitely consider applying to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, which is a high-impact programme supporting you to progress your career with little ones in tow. There is one programme left starting in 2023. Applications for that one close on the 31st of October 2023 and the details are on the website leadersplus.org.uk you can also find info on some of our free events on there and we always do have hardship fund spaces available on the fellowship you get access to really inspirational role models who have been there done that with bringing up kids whilst progressing your career you get support with practical challenges for example workload management or saying no you get really important time for yourself to think about what you want in your career, what you want for your family and how to make it happen together with a group of very, very supportive and very amazing peers and some very experienced facilitators as well. So if you want to look at it, then leadersplus.org.uk is the place to go. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the programme. And they're all involved in some shape or form in driving change for working parents. And I should say the satisfaction with work-life balance have gone up significantly as well. I think it's more than doubled compared to the starting point of the programme. So I'm really pleased with that. Big thank you for all your support and especially also to all of those who've left reviews for the podcast. It is such a helpful thing and I'm extremely grateful for all of you who've done that or who've shared this episode with a friend that could benefit from it. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your week.